tuning into the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Dan Maniocci, Vice President of Marketing and Global Performance at luxury leather goods company MCM. This year, the brand launched a new strategic direction, which involved updating the creative team and also putting new focus on digital channels and young shoppers. And over the last couple of years, Dan has secured new faces of the brand, among other partnerships, which have worked to increase brand revenue and engagement. I wanted to ask Dan about the brand's recent campaign with Cindy Crawford, of course. I also wanted to inquire about how the brand is faring amid the current shifts in luxury consumer behavior. Welcome, Dan. Thank you so much, Jill. That's an amazing introduction. I really appreciate it. It was a mouthful. Did I get it all? You guys have been busy. We have been busy. busy. We've been really, really busy. It's really good to be with you. Um, There's so much happening in this world that we live in, like in the fashion world. So, um, you know, and with so much happening all around us, it's important that we can compete and stand out. And so I'm happy to talk to you about what's happening here. Excited to dig in there. We have to talk because you said fashion world and you've always had your hands in fashion, but maybe not directly in the mix. Let's talk a little bit about your background and what brought you to MCM in 2018. Prior, I think more from mm, the publishing side of things. I know you were at Hearst. I know you were in at The Economist. Tell me about your background. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, it's it's really not the traditional Per se, you know, background per se. Like when you talk to other fashion executives, I'm sure you see like they've been at this maison or this house for so long and they kind of, you know, go from one to the other. So I think, you know, with me, I really bring in this different level of understanding, which has ex- been extremely helpful for me and for MCM uh, because I did come from media and publishing. I spent, you know, over f- almost 15 years doing that. And I started at a small media rep firm, which went to, uh, you know, getting my name somewhat established, working with international uh, brands like Vogue and Italy, for example, and working with brands to advertise in those publications because there weren't many U.S. brands run- running at that time in those publications and meeting a lot of interesting, important people who helped connect the dots. And I met um, one of my former bosses uh, at The Economist who brought me over and he said he had a really interesting opportunity uh, because at that time, uh, you know, they were, you know, they sort of had this reputation of being this old, waspy, you know, very smart, curious brand, but they really wanted to understand how to connect with consumers. And really, they wanted me to come and engage with everyone who they could possibly do business with. And they knew that I was I was already working with some of these uh, executives at uh, these big uh, consumer brands. So I was able to go in there and rework things a little bit, I guess, is the best way to talk about it. And and look at, you know, what's working, what's not, and work with the executive team there to come up with some new solutions to help bring in new new revenue streams for The Economist, which there, it's really where I kind of got my start as a true professional, I guess you could say. And I went from The Economist to uh, Hearst, and that's sort of where I always say, like when I'm talking about myself, which feels a little bit odd, saying that's where I got my break, my big break. And um, I work for a tremendous person. Her name is Pat Hagley. She is still with Hearst. She's one of the big executives there. And she gave me this amazing opportunity at a young age. And she said, you know, why do you think it, it has what it, you have what it takes to work at, at this group? And at that point, it was the Women's Lifestyle Group. So we're talking about 
Woman's Day magazine and um, Oprah and Red Book and all these amazing like legacy, you know, lifestyle brands. And I said, you know, I, I guess I was a little bit more bold back then. And I said, because you need me, like I'm, I'm bringing you new, new thinking, new energy. Like it's like, look, like, you know, and, and we sort of just clicked and we had this understanding and she really became a mentor and helped me um, get to where I'm at now, really. And, you know, that's where I started to do some business with uh, beauty brands like L'Oreal Paris was a huge client of mine. And we did this amazing program called 50 over 50 that we actually, I actually personally created with our team um, because it was, I wanted to flip the popular concept of 40 under 40 on its head. So the paradigm, I wanted to celebrate women 50 plus, and I wanted to highlight them across all fields, across not just celebrities, but doctors and and people who are truly making a difference in their respective fields. And it became really popular, a lot of TV coverage, um, and it sort of got the eyes of more people in the industry. And that was really good for me from a career standpoint, because it led me, I guess, to uh, Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal, where I took a job to uh, work for the publisher and did some amazing things there. Um, although that was a little bit short lived, I was there for just one year exactly, because I remember saying to myself, I have to do at least a year or it looks terrible. Um, no, but I, <laughs> but joking aside, I really did enjoy it. It's a smart group of people that work at the Wall Street Journal. And I, you know, I'm privileged to say I got to work, work there. Um, but there is where I really worked with CMOs at major corporations. And we got to create some really exciting things together with, um, you know, the executives at Ralph Lauren, at Rolex, etc. So really got ingrained and entrenched in the true luxury world again. Um, because at first it was more consumer beauty. And when I went to Dow Jones, it was really tapping into my luxury roots again, where I kind of started. Um, and that ultimately led me here to MCM. And I've been here now for five and a half years. And let me tell you, Jill, from when I came in in 2018 till now, this is a different brand. So it's exciting. Yes. It's exciting. I have to circle back. When you met with Hearst, I mean, I love this. It's so inspiring to me when they're like, why? <laughs> why should we hire you? Because you need me. <laughs> like, If somebody said, because you need me, I'd be like, how would I respond to that? I'd be like, okay, cocky, but do we need them? I think we might. I was No, I definitely was a little cocky. I think it's safe to say that for sure. Um, but it was mostly, you know, I was just very honest with her. I think in my career, I've always been so honest with everyone. And, and I think that's where I've really earned trust from people that I can call some some of these people have become my friends in this business because they understand when they talk to me I'm going to there I of course I'll handle myself professionally but I'm going to tell you what's what's what you know what and it's up to them to make the decision you know right it's it's yes. you put it on them to make the choice but at least you've got to be I always and I tell my team this now it's you need to be honest and open and you have to be willing to have the hard conversations and tell people what's working and what's not to get what you want and so and I truly yes. live by that so at that time I think, you know, being a younger, a little bit younger, I'm still young now, I like to think, but being a little bit younger then, I think you're, of course, more courageous and you say these things and looking back, I'm like, would I ever say that again? But hey, it got me to where I'm at now and I'm talking to you. So this is a good thing. I would Yes. Think. Good for you. Absolutely. So you've built this years of experience, really connecting brands for a while, like on and off luxury brands to this affluent shopper, the, the reader of these publications. Gosh, what do you wish maybe having joined a brand? Like what was not clear to you or you wish you had known or was eye-opening when you came in-house at a luxury brand? What was shocking? For sure. I mean, it's it's. I'm so happy you brought this up because this is a big 
big thing that I talk to other people about who are, oh, I still have a lot of friends on the publishing side. And they always ask me this, like what, you know, because you have this preconceived notion of what it's like, but it, it is so much more work than I could have ever thought. And I think, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a go-getter and I really, you know, was hungry when I came to MCM because I really truly thought I could make a difference uh, in, in, in this, at this brand not knowing too much about it. I mean, I knew it was a luxury brand. I knew it had this amazing iconic monogram that everyone knows, but I was like, why do people not know more about this story? How is it? Is it because we just don't have enough resources or like who was working to help communicate our image and our, in our brand, who was talking about our brand? So, you know, for me, I was like, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to get my hands dirty and to leverage all my contacts and talk to them about it. But Going back, I mean, yeah, I had no idea how much more work. Like, you know, on the publishing side, you have to understand how to manage a budget for sure. You know, it's hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue that you're accountable for at the end of the day. You've got to be, you know, you need to understand how to go in front of a business manager and talk to them about, you know, the P&L and things like this. So I had that coming in, which was great, of course, for anyone in my position. Um, and I guess that made me very, very valuable and friendly with our finance people here. But you also need to understand like what makes the consumer engaged, what makes them move, where, you know, what are the trends? And I, of course, brought these things. And I guess that's why they hired me here is that, you know, I told them these things in the interview process about what I thought they could be doing or, you know, without being, I didn't, of course, you know, during that time, I didn't want to be a little, be over, um, over um, confident with what my, 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 um, the answers were, but I knew that there, there could absolutely be more that we could do for this brand. And, and anyway, so no, it's a lot more work than I'd ever thought for sure. I mean, consumer profiles, um, understanding the, you know, in, in fine detail, how the retail industry works, um, understanding the key players at the wholesalers, for example, who are the merchandisers, you know, who do you need to be listening to? You, and, and, um, so yeah, it's a true education. And I think that's what also made me stay for as long as I have, because, um, you know, I've been learning from all these amazing people too. And um, anyway, it's a, it's just a nice thing how it's progressed. For sure. Well, you mentioned that it's a different brand now than it was 2018. Uh, people knew the MCM logo, the monogram, like what's changed now? Like it's got a cool factor. I mean, was that new or what the pandemic happened? <laughs> what, what else is new? I know. It did happen. Uh, I mean, it's so funny because with COVID now, I always say, you know, I don't remember anything before COVID at this point. My mind is like blurred like everyone else's. But, um, you know, if I take a step back, like when I came to MCM, like in, tw in 2018, we were just at the beginning. I always say like even people who here, were here on my team before me, who I got the pleasure to work with, it, we were, you know, we were about to start something exciting. We like this is a truly global organization. We're private, as you know, and, um, you know, we have this amazing chairperson, Sungju Kim, who is she was just here last week. I had the pleasure to be with her and she's just, she really is so generous, you know, and, and 70% of the uh, executives at MCM are women. So there's these amazing things about the brand. And, you know, when I started to learn quickly about it in the beginning under, you know, she was really our champion. She was like, here are all the resources. And we had a good amount at that time, believe it or not. And, 
you tell uh, you tell me what you're going to do to communicate and get this brand, you know, take this brand to another place. And, you know, at that point, we really wanted to tap into our music roots because MCM is a brand that was born in Berlin or in, in Munich. I always say Berlin because our former creative team sat in Berlin, um, but Munich, MCM. And um, 1976, so think discotheque. The, this is the jet set era. This is the all uber echelons, like the like these are like Mick Jagger hopping on a private jet with his MCM, t- his MCM hard trunk and Diana Ross with her, you know, amazing MCM. Like this is, these were the coveted pieces. Iconic. And so MCM had that story that a lot of people didn't know about. And we wanted to tap back into that. So at that point, we really, you know, tried to revisit our musical past. And we started, one of the first things I did was bring Billie Eilish into the brand as the face of MCM. Um, and it's funny, everyone's like, oh, that's so amazing. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I will never say I'm in the sole person that made that happen. I am a big part of it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, there was a girl on my team at the time who, you know, I had this amazing team back then who, younger, older, a whole mix of people. And one of the girls on the team was like, we should gift this backpack. We were doing a gifting to Billie Eilish. She said, no one knew who she was. And, you know, how industry relationships work. We had a contact who worked at Interscope Records and we she just signed Billie Eilish, not done an advertising or any brand campaign at that point. And she said, you know, do you want to gift her the backpack? And we said, absolutely. She loved it. Um, and one thing led to the other. And before we know, we're having dinner and meeting them in LA and you know, there it goes. There's, nice. And it, and it, it really recharged MCM. You know, I, I, the first time I always tell people that was the first time I could remember the phones were ringing. People were calling us. The editors wanted to cover it first. It was, we, we need the photos now. Do you have an exclusive? And we said, yes, we did. But here you, you know, we've, we thought our press team already sent this to you, but it was nice to have someone reach out to us versus us chasing them. And we knew at that point, okay, we've got something exciting here to work with. Nice. Well, Billie Eilish, move the needle. She's young. She's cool. Like, is that kind of, that's a fit? Who makes sense as a face for the brand and who you want to work with? Um, is that kind of a typical face? Well, there's Cindy too. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, and then of course there's iconic Cindy, right? So I think, you know, when you look at 2018 or 2019 really with Billy, um, you know, and then all the things that happened through the years to really this June, um, and it was Milan Men's uh, Fashion Week, um, which is really exciting for MCM because we had not shown it a proper fashion week since Pidiomo in 2018. So this wow. was a long time coming. And we really, you know, we, we there was a lot of work that went into uh, the development of us launching, and that's where, and I'll get to that in a second, where we communicated to the first time to the industry, our new image, our new logo, you know, here's here's our plan. We really put put something down on paper and said, this is what we're going to do as a brand. We really wanted to claim ownership in that. Um, you know, before that, a little bit, we brought in new executives. We, you know, we were shaping a new creative team, um, which is still a little bit in flux. You know, like the creative team is not 100% pinned down. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of work for the brand to do. But we brought in Sabine, who is our global president, you know, who's got a true luxury background. And she brought in some of her executives um, and kind of played with the team a little bit and moved people around, including myself, to be properly uh, situated in business to to do what they do best to help us win. And so from, from moving to Milan, we did this amazing presentation at this beautiful palazzo and we had over 800 people come through, a ton of key press. 
tons of celebrities, uh, influencer uh, types, and we really showcased our iconic past to present. So Cindy Crawford was naturally the person we wanted to revisit because we had this iconic campaign MCM did in 1996, uh, the Herb Rich shot, which is iconic. And if you look back at those uh, archival images, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I know that image. And I'm like, well, then you know MCM. See, you did know the brand. But we really wanted to pull at that and say, we wanted to, it's not that we wanted, we wanted to show. We wanted to say, this is the brand you already know. And this is why we are relevant. And this is why you love us. So it was sort of like traveling back and to bring, to bring the past forward to and, and to showcase the brand now in this elevated new regard. And with that came a new brand new logo, a really refreshed font type, really nice. Um, and now we're doing a lot of hard work to figure out who are the right faces to represent the brand, you know, because we really do believe that we need to be all hands on, like, you know, other proper luxury brands in terms of communicating our image and our, and showcasing our values to talk about our craftsmanship story, to remind people why we're, we're a relevant brand that they should buy into. So that's the work that's going on now. And that's, so from Billy to Cindy, broad spectrum, <laughs> but, you know, I always say, you know, there's so many talents, you know, it's just how do you use them? How do you, and why are, why do you use them? You have to be strategic and smart. Yes. Let's talk about uh, this summer in Milan and fashion week. And like, why did you choose fashion week as the stage for this new kind of unveiling? Um, talk about the relevance of fashion week, because you are somebody who's so well-versed in the power of digital. Why does fashion week still matter in your eyes? Yeah, I think it's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, to be taken seriously by the industry. I mean, like it or not, I think that we are, we sit amongst our peers and you want to be respected. You want to be held in, you know, a specific regard and you want to be seen in the right places at the right time. So that is the, you know, the formula of why Fashion Week in general, why Milan, because we have a couple of executives now with Italian roots and including uh, one that was on, is on the creative team. And we wanted to travel to Milan because we thought that just made sense now with the new uh, team that we've assembled, that we've worked hard to assemble. And we thought, let's do it at a time that will catch people a little bit off guard because we know women's is such a, is like, let's say the... That's the big one, right? The big fashion week with the women's. And we knew men's would be a little bit quieter. We'd have that opportunity to get a lot more people uh, under our roof to showcase what we're, what we're trying to do. So that's why Milan Women's Fashion Week. And we thought June was great. And then Cindy followed in September with that announcement. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Let's talk about the new look. And you mentioned the new logo. And we've been talking probably for two plus years now about this quiet luxury trend and we all know kind of logo mania comes and goes and but like you know there's that iconic image of somebody wearing head to toe mcm <laughs> who was it there was a celebrity but that's not everything that you do it's not all logo mania talk about where you fit into the trend cycle the trend side of things right now and if you're actively trying to change how people think of you and the presence of that logo constantly yeah I think, you know, if from where I said, you know, 
overseeing the mar- marketing aspects, right, of the organization. What my coll- some of my two of my big colleagues that are so important to me are the merchandising side of the business um, and the product side of the business. And you really need to have a level of understanding on the trends, like you're saying. Um, and it it all starts with product. I truly believe you have to. If you don't have a good product, you know, it's you know, at the end of the day, consumers, you can throw the biggest celebrity at them and tell them it's the most amazing thing. But if the product is not quality and holds up and is on trend, you're probably going to get a return, right? So it starts with the product. And then it's our our job to communicate that and to brand that and to make that something special. So we took a hard look across the, um, across the merchandising side and the product side. And we said, we are missing a, and it was, and this is before, obviously before this whole silent luxury movement, which I think is actually on its way out. Person, personal belief, um, but anyway, we we took a deep look in an inventory and we said, let's look at our archives. Let's look at some of our iconic pieces that we w- may want to revisit, maybe reimagine them. Um, so you know, the MCM logo remains on some of these p- new pieces from the SS twenty four collection that just went on sale. Um, a couple of months ago. Um, and then also let's bring neutrals in. Let's bring, let's bring, you know, some played down um, silhouettes that are beautiful and have high quality materials and are sourced with really great leathers and vegan materials and sustainable materials. So it's such a, a much more comprehensive collection now. And there are pieces that truly are, you know, you can, uh, these beautiful bags, not that the original monogram is not, of course it's iconic and it will always live beside, but why can't these two things exist together? And we believe they can. And it really was a great thing to do because we are, have so many different customer groups now buying into the brand who, you know, are first time purchasers because we have this data, of course, and we're, you know, and, and, and they really, and it, there was it was clear to us that we have answered a calling from even even existing customers that they wanted something that was a little bit more toned down to suit different looks. So yeah. I think it was a win for us. Nice. I hope. Are we just wishful thinking? I'm like, is quiet luxury going out for a bit? <laughs> we went fashion with a capital F personally. Okay. Let's get back to Same. it. Yes. But, but I think, no, but I think there's something there because I think it's all of like it's uh, we live in this crazy like you know I just got back from Europe actually last night and and I love going because it's like you know you see the contrast so quickly and this the US market is so it's an overconsumption market and we are we are only looking at our Instagram feeds all the time and TikTok feeds and whatever else you look at and you are you know you, you you're sold on something that someone's telling you but at the end of the day I think that Time and time again, you see fashion recycling itself year over year. And I think everything can exist together. Silence, loud, monogram is not going anywhere. People, especially in the U.S., people love a logo. So I don't think that's on its way out anytime soon. Yes. I mean, we've all seen a certain tote to death. Okay. Let's talk about, um, you said you're getting customers, new customers coming in. They're seeing the product. They're liking it. Where are you acquiring them? Where are they seeing it? Where are you hooking that new customer, I guess? Yeah, through many different uh, channels. I mean, mostly through, of course, our e-commerce. That's a huge focus, like any other brand. And and really, I think a lot of brands have to to attribute that to COVID. We, as as consumers, we buy differently now. And and we as consumers expect more from the brands that we purchase from or brands that we're interested in purchasing from. If If I see someone wearing something and I'm like, oh, that's an amazing jacket or this amazing bag. Like I just sat with a guy in a meeting and I, he had this tote and I was like, I didn't even think I'd like this tote. And I went to go check it out. And 
I wanted to buy it and I wanted to pick it up that day, right? So I went onto the site, they had it available at the one location nearest me and I clicked, you know, purchase, purchase and I picked it up in the store. This is very important to the way that we exist in this eco- ecosystem. We want to get things quickly when we want them. And if we don't, we will go somewhere else. So number one, we had to figure out a way to compete with all of that. And so we really looked at our systems, Are we up to speed? Do we need to bring new partners in? We did that and we assessed it quickly. Our business took off during COVID like, and and we really worked quickly to make that happen. I'm really proud of our team. Um, But anyway, um, you know, I, yeah, yeah. And, and I think you have to, you have to be, you know, you have to be quick on your feet and you've got to respond to the customer in real time, but getting to the point we, you know, we, we see customers enter our channels through e-commerce, of course, because we have paid media running, right? They might see an advertisement. Um, but we also understand that our customers are shopping us in other places. They might be buying us in even Marcus or Saks or something like this. So we've got to be creative to compete. Um, so we do, you know, we, we activate, we do, we advertise, we use different influencers to engage, uh, engage with the brand and to we we leverage their audiences because we truly believe that if you're finding the right people to represent your brand they're naturally going to pull these people in um but a lot through um these these channels you know we see new customers coming in um and because of all the brand marketing we've done over the years we see a lot of people for example like we hear these stories all the time a mom may have coveted this MCM piece, right? And given her, her to her daughter like years ago. And then the, her daughter is inspired because she saw Cindy Crawford in the campaign or someone like this. And she's like, oh, and now I need to buy a piece. So we see a lot of that happening with the, um, with the marketing that we're doing as well. Very cool. Considering your past, um, is it just as important, kind of on the same as Fashion Week note, a traditional media, um, but to advertise in glossy magazines, print publications, the September issue, all of that. Is that as important as it ever was? Or where do you see that falling in? I think you have to really understand your brand. And I think you have to understand where, based on the budget you have available to you, where does it make the most sense to invest your resources, right? I think that's where, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, at a at a huge conglomerate. So my budgets are much smaller than maybe a larger fashion house. Uh, so I need to, I need to be smart where I invest that money. So I look where I can have measurable results. And then I look to see, so digital is a good answer for that because you, you can get, you have these KPIs that you can build into your, um, your, your buys. But I also think it's important to, like going back to fashion week to show up with incredible, uh, incredible places where industry peers can see you and where true fashion connoisseurs can find you. So yes, but we're in Vogue and yes, we're in Harper's Bazaar and we're in L and we're in GQ and these, these, these legacy publications, because I think that's still important. But I also think it's important to be in the right issues, like the March fashion issues, the September fashion issues. And I think this is where my media background has really suited me well, uh, because of this level of understanding that I've been able to bring to MCM to make us show up in the right places at the right times. Are you putting more focus recently on on TikTok versus like Instagram when it comes to your digital channel? Instagram is still king. And it's, you know, it's it really is. And absolutely TikTok, you know, we'd be ridiculous to say we're not. We have a lot more resources being put into that. And you also need to have the right co- proper content to support it. So, um, and then just again, staying up on 
the the trends because now you there's a commerce there's an e-commerce function on TikTok. So you know, are we going now? We're looking into that. So Ooh, um, what about live streaming? Yeah, live streaming. Live streaming is actually huge for MCM in Asia. Nice. It really is. I mean, we. I, I'm sure you, a lot of people listening to this may have seen there was in, in the news. This one, I think this one girl that in Asia that had made millions or something in like 17 seconds. I don't know if oh you saw God. this, but uh, through live streaming. No and they actually put a law into effect saying that they had to change it because she was so successful. So good for her. <laughs> but um, but it's huge in Asia. And we do see it as something that is going to be important in America because we kind of all saw this. If you go back to COVID, where we had to resort to these types of things to sell the products. And a lot of brands did that. But, you know, um, I do think that this is actually going to become bigger in, in America and in Europe um, because it's just the way that we're engaging with brands and wanting to buy them quickly. Yes. Let's talk about those markets as you guys are growing, kind of finding new footing. Where are you focusing your efforts and where does the U.S. fit in that mix? Yeah. So we're really focusing on the U.S., China and Europe. Those are those are the three big pieces of the pie for us. China and U.S. make up; they're almost equal in terms of how they, what they what they uh, back out to in terms of revenue for the brand. We are in in we right now the brand has six hundred and fifty points of distribution globally. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't know that, so I love saying it because it makes it seem like a much bigger um, bigger. Uh, brand in essence and it, and it actually is it's just it's it's just you know it's where we're focusing our stores and in asia there are tons of mcm stores and then in america we're now over 20 which is exciting um and you know we're obviously in third-party resale as well and, and the big wholesalers um but i but i think you know asia is so important but it, it's a different animal when you talk about the u.s and europe we are somewhat comp- comparable um but the U.S. is just it's it's a giant and each have their own their own nuances. But I would say the top two for most brands, I would agree or I would think is America and China. And then, of course, you can't forget about Europe, because when you talk about a luxury brand, especially one from Europe, you have to have that as part of the equation. For sure. What are they buying these days? What's selling anywhere in any market? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> What's selling? Of course, the tote bag, a crossbody bag. Backpacks are still selling. Um, and then, you know, and smaller bags too. A lot of smaller items. Um, but also our ready-to-wear is starting to take off. You know, it's which is truly exciting because we, you know, has, we went into the market a few years ago saying we wanted to be a head-to-toe brand and not just a luxury, known as a luxury leather goods brand. And so um, with that, you know, the we're starting to see our fashion side of the business really take off as well. And I think that this SS24 collection that we showcased in Mulhan is a perfect um, representation of that because there are some really amazing pieces that compete with the other players. Yes. Is there opportunity for growth in additional categories? Are you head to toe look? Are you in home? Where are you guys playing? Yeah. So novelty has always been um, important to MCM. So we have MCM Zoo, we call it, but it's our stuffed animals and they're they're adorable. We have bunnies and dogs and all of these uh, really cute stuffed animals, these luxury stuffed animals is really what they are. Um, but, you know, we've, and through the years, we've done things like home goods, like, you know, really nice blankets and uh, candles and barware, things like this. And I see that as a huge opportunity for us. So actually a part of the SS24, we have we have dog accessories out now, dog bed, super cute dog bowl. Um, but these are places where I see us growing in terms of uh, the, the the assortment itself and the availability to our customers. Um, 
because I think that people want a piece of the brand that they love and they want it to be not just on an item that they wear, they want to have it in their home too. So I think that's a huge opportunity of growth for MCM and for any other brand. For sure. Is the rise of resale impacting the brand at all? Are you guys owning a channel? Are you offering your own resale? Or um, are you watching what's happening in the in the third party retailers? Yeah, constantly talking about it, of course. We haven't really acted on a solution just yet because we there are different business reasons, but it's you can't ignore what's happening. And you see, you know, the the true players that were sort of there first, like I don't know, I'm thinking like Levi's when they did their whole upcycling thing and you could, I mean, these are, this is important to consumers, especially when we talk about younger customers, Gen Z, they expect and have loyalty to brands that, you know, care about the environment and they want to buy, they don't care about having something that's brand new and shiny. They want it to be in good condition, of course, um, but they, but they are willing to um, look into other means and, and ways to get it. It doesn't have, it could be a traded up or a traded down item. So um, yeah, we're absolutely watching and looking and listening to our fans, customers, talking to all sorts of people to understand what's the best move. But yeah, it's definitely something that we, we are, are actively watching. Yes. In addition to like a sexy face on, in your marketing channel, <laughs> face of the brand, do you reference how do you reference your heritage? Is that important to kind of clinching that either Gen Z consumer or, or other? You know, any luxury brand that I watch who's been successful, like Louis Vuitton or Goyard or whoever it might be, um, you at the end of the day, they showcase their heritage first. It's all, if you are not constantly for, reminded by where they started, you, we are, we as consumers move a mile a second, like we are, we forget and we give loyalty to people that might intrigue us in different ways. So you have to stay, you have to stay close to that. And I think that's one of the things that we can do much better um, of a job doing. And again, like this goes back to the beginning of our conversation where I th- saw this opportunity to communicate this story more because once you do that, people get really excited and they want to be a part of it. They want a piece of it. So that's something, especially with Cindy, that was sort of like the ushering in of this, you know, in uh, this rem- remem- re- reminder of this important heritage that MCM holds. And we've seen our customers really respond and take action. So I think you'll see a lot of that going forward in terms of just activating it in different ways alongside the other things we're doing because we, you have to. Yes. Well, I think uh, this episode goes live about two days after Christmas. Got to know how you're approaching the holidays and uh, what are your objectives there? Is Q4 the big one? Of course, for every yes. brand. Q4 is the big, it's the, it's the Super Bowl. Yes. So it's, it's so, so important. I mean, so many, I mean, literally, it's like we joke Christmas in July, right? But like, that's when you start planning it or even before, like you have to get yourself properly ready, especially now, like it is so competitive in the digital landscape. Like you have to have great messaging. You've got to, the timing is so critical. And I, it's so funny because I have so many friends in this business. And I always, we always play off of each other and say, when are you breaking? When are you breaking? And it's like, we, and, and we all want to know because that timing, especially if you looked at the trends, you know, of um, what we saw this year and this past year, people are shopping so much earlier. They really are. And and you have to be, you have to put yourself out there to say, nope, we're going to break this day. And that really matters to the bottom line. And you see that you see the revenue uh, start to come in. So um, it's so important in terms of pre- preparing yourself as a business across all your different channels, making sure your merchandising is in place. You have the, the campaign breaking on the right day that you're 
or, um, you know, all of your ducks are in a row so that you can be successful. But yeah, I think what we're, we're seeing, we're happy with what we're seeing. We're seeing our customers buy into the brand and we're seeing a lot of that hard work pay off. So it'll be a good holiday for MCM. Good for you. Anything challenging you right now other than all of these uncontrollables circling around the world? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, it's, I, I always tell people who I'm close to, like when I catch up with them, like if I, if MCM didn't challenge me, you know, I would not be able to stay here because that's what brought me here. Like it, it was the, it was really the, uh, the opportunity to go and make something really amazing happen for a brand that I was rooting for. And, and so I'm constantly challenged. And I think, you know, when I look forward now with this new image we're, we're, we're putting out, you know, it's like, how do we really take this brand to the next level and turn the page and, and not forget the past and bring it forward. And that's really exciting to me. So I see us having this really great year into next year with some really amazing faces that, um, I won't break just yet because of the date the podcast is dropping, but you'll see someone really exciting in the, in the um, spring summer campaign. Um, and then we'll have some amazing brand moments that take place um, that are, we already know about, like Salone de Moble. And um, the biggest thing is that we will be returning to Milan Fashion Week, but we're now we're going to be showing at women. Oh, so great. We're, we're going to be on the main stage, let's say, um, both in February and in September. So that's exciting for the brand. Amazing. And with this whole kind of creative overhaul, everything will be settled. You're kind of laying the foundation for the next era of MCM, would you say? Or what are the kind of grand aspirations from here? Oh, my gosh. Um a tough question question to answer but um i think i think what we want for mcm to change the question a little yeah. bit is we want we 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 believe in the most of the executives here at least all the ones that i know and work with every day but truly are fans of this brand in one way or another and people identify and know the brand through different means you know depending on where you are around the world and what city you live in and we want it to be successful so I think what's different about MCM is that you've got this courageous group of people that come together every day, give 150% in because they want to see true change happen. They, they're they excited about these advancements that we're talking about. And I think, you know, with some of the executive uh, placements we've had uh, this past year, um, we're bringing in a lot of smart people to help us transform the business and take it to the next level. I see us investing in a lot of the stuff that we talked about on this podcast. Like, you know, are we going to like thinking about live streaming, like you were saying before, live selling, um, you know, and, and, and really, I think one of the other great things about MCM is we learn from each other. So it's very different in America than in China, like we were saying before. So when I get onto the phone with the um, China team, and I'm hearing what they're doing. It's it's exciting because like we haven't had those advancements for any brand really here in, in in America. So how can we adopt those things? So I think there's more than enough to make me challenged and excited for the future at the brand. And I think that our cons- customers have a lot to look forward to. Right on. Well, excited to see what's next, who this face is. TBD, y'all. It's coming. And also excited to, of course, <laughs> attend your show in Milan. Duh, Dan. Anyway, Dan, thank you for being here. Yes. This was so fun. <laughs> no, thank you. Seriously, such a pleasure. We would love to have you in Milan. So please, <laughs> I will send you an invitation personally. I'd love to see you. Please stop by. Um, but thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon, Jill. Happy holidays. Thanks so much. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.